0: You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's
1: your host, Scott Kerr.
0: Many of today's best known companies got their starts in the worst market conditions. HP got its start during the recession of 1937. The first Burger King restaurant opened amid the 1950s recession. Bill Gates founded Microsoft in 1975, the same year as the oil embargo recession. And the recent Great Recession saw the creation of startups like Uber, Airbnb, and Venmo. So let's fast forward to September 2020. The coronavirus has just dealt a stunning gut punch to the Manhattan real estate market unmatched in recent history, and the prospects of a near-term recovery remain unclear. According to the brokerage giant Douglas Elliman, the number of Manhattan apartment sales in second quarter of this year was down 54% compared to the same period last year, the largest decline in the last 30 years. So who in their right mind would open up a real estate company in New York City smack in a market that's declining faster than both the 2008 financial crisis and the period after 9-11 attacks? Well, if your name is Ryan Serhant and you're one of the most successful and well-known real estate brokers in the world, you might be in your right mind. After spending a decade leading one of New York City's top-ranked real estate teams at Nest Seekers International, Ryan Serhant left the Nest to go out on his own. Last month, Ryan launched his own namesake brokerage, Serhant. It positions itself as the first real estate company launched and designed for the marketplace of tomorrow. It's a multi-dimensional real estate firm that has its own film studio, digital marketing lab, and a tech team dedicated to tracking the reach of the brand and its content across the web. In addition to his work in real estate, Ryan is an entrepreneur, producer, public speaker, best-selling author, and star of multiple Bravo TV shows, including the two-time Emmy Award-nominated Million Dollar Listing New York. You'll see him popping up all over the place as a guest on real estate segments of CNBC, CNN, Twenty Twenty, The Today Show, Bloomberg TV, and many others. Welcome to the Luxury Item, Ryan.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, first, congratulations on the launch of Sir Hant. That's very exciting.
1: Thank you.
0: You know, as a brand executive, the first thing that shouted out at me was your logo. Sir. Oh,
1: really? Do yep. tell.
0: I will. So, all caps, period, at the end. And you don't see a lot of punctuations in logos. Yeah. But to me, it's sort of like this mic drop with a period at the end, you know, cap all caps, no additional discussion. Was that what you were trying to convey?
1: Yeah yeah you're clearly in the business so uh <laughs> but, yeah kind of i mean we i mean listen we you know there there was a lot of hesitancy for us in naming it after my last name you know like there's you know do people really want to work directly under my name forever you know there's there's a lot of ego in this business and um uh you know it might be better just to come up with a different name you know like compass is it's named Compass. You know, we've got <laughs> a lot of names that are named. Uh, you know, you've got Realtor. You've got Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. You know, right. um, you know, there's Redfin's and and all that stuff. Open Door. And so, you know, we tried to come up with a lot of names. We spent a long, long time doing it. But what we kept coming back to is, listen, let's focus on the business. Okay, we're not. Yes, this is a startup company, but it's it's not really right. We're taking my 12 years of business. We're rebranding it and. of rebuilding it from the ground up so so what actually sells what's the brand what do people know um and let's go with let's go with that um and in my last name because there's only 11 of us in the world ended up being like hey that's that's what people know that and my gray hair so um you know from watching years and years of million dollar listing new york people know me as the gray-haired guy so uh uh you know it's um uh so then we kind of went with that we went that name and then um, it became a, okay, well, what do we do? How do we, and we looked at so many different fonts and typesets and we created custom fonts and, it, and we just kept coming back to, like the, to the logo um, on its own, which is just a big S, period. And that was it. I remember we were sitting there like, you know what? Just the name in a dark cobalt blue, all caps, period. That's it, end of story. No real estate, no real estate group, no LLC, nothing else. Just the name, period. That's it. And it's,
0: uh, I like it. Yeah. No. So before we talk about the launch of Sirhan, I, I, want, I want to rewind back to March when the outbreak grounded Manhattan real estate to a halt. And you know, I was reading there were only like two contracts over $4 million signed in the last week of March. It was like the worst week since, you know, in the summer of 2009 and yeah. the financial crisis rocked the market. So can you share what happened in your world back then when the market suddenly went into shock? In March, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it was a. Uh, I mean, I did so much writing back then between, you know, blog posts, Forbes articles, and uh, you know, just internal like notes to our clients. Um, it's and it, it's so funny that it it seems like it was ten years ago now because Man. so much has happened, and yet, and yet at the same time, so much hasn't. You know, because we've all been so still this right. year. Um, but I think like it just mentally, our brains have gone to so many different places. It's. It's almost as exhausting as having traveled the world 15 times. Um, But it it felt like a slow motion car crash. That's the best way that I can explain it. Um, That's what it felt like in March, you know, in in New York City. Where where are you right now?
0: Yeah, I'm in Long Island City.
1: Okay, cool. So, I mean, you know exactly what it was like, right? It was, Mm -hmm. you know, we were, people kept saying they're going to shut down schools, they're going to shut down roads, they're going to shut down this. And everyone kept saying, no way. Yeah, right. This isn't a movie. It's never going to happen. Um, uh, and we all kept kind of procrastinating, thinking that that would never happen. And I mean, listen, to this day, I I don't know if it was still the right thing to do. Um, and I think the historians will have to decide upon that. Um, but it was like the second week of March and people started leaving, um, and taking their kids out of school. And it was right when a lot of the police officers, right. We knew there was going to be an issue when the NYPD started getting sick. So like, wait a minute, what happens when the police and the fire department start getting sick like that? we might have a real issue here. And then we knew too, if they shut down schools, then parents can't go to work. So then we're going to have a real issue too. So then we've got service workers who aren't going to be able to go to work because they got to stay home with their, their kids. Um, and the minute they started talking about shutting down schools, we knew it was going to game over. And then it was, I think, what was it? The 18th or the 22nd, that Sunday. Um, you know, we left, my family and I left. We went to a, a lake house in, uh, uh, in New Hampshire that wednesday and then that weekend the city shut down for good um for three months great i mean work-wise uh you know we were a non-essential business for quite some time so you know i was still going to the office and a few of my key people were but um you know most people were not uh and we're you know real estate agents didn't have to come to the office anyway uh so most people were already working from home and just kind of like just watching the news that's what we did back then it was just right you know, you watch the news every day at five o'clock, You turn it on, you know, and then as the stock market started tanking, then you were watching the news all day long just to see like, wow, is this, is, are we, are we, are, is this over? Like, is it done? Right, is this, right like, exactly.
0: It's just that, that day, that doomsday that everybody's been, uh, been yeah, talking it felt, about.
1: I mean, listen, it March, the middle of March to the middle of April was really, was, those were dark, dark times, you know? And I felt, it almost felt like the whole world was stuck at home, watching the news all day. And then at night they would watch Tiger King. So, so then we work wise, I mean, our job for those three months was trying to keep deals together. Um, A lot of deals fell apart clearly. And, you know, market history ended that Sunday. You know, we now do deals that are, everything's post COVID. That's how we talk, right? It's post COVID, post COVID, post COVID. Um, If there's a comp, a sale comp or something happened in the market pre COVID, it now no longer matters. It doesn't count. It's not real. So, you know, there are discounts now, and we haven't even seen like the media is so behind, you know, we're in this market all day, every day, like by Q1 of next year, you're going to see what the closings look like that happened in Q4 this year. And you're going to see what the real COVID effect has been on the real estate industry here in New York. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be messy.
0: Not pretty. Yeah. So back then, You know, just like yourself, New Yorkers started reassessing the costs and benefits of living in New York City and, you know, looking for homes in more rural and suburban communities, perhaps other states and everybody, you know, the New Yorkers fled to the Hamptons, Hudson Valley, or other locales, and, you know, were, were adapting to working remotely, and you didn't have this out, you know, these outrageous open houses that you were so used to doing, and, you know, active buyers, you didn't have active buyers touring homes, or giving feedback, or making offers, so how did this change your marketing selling strategies?
1: Um, you know, we're, we're lucky, actually, you know, my business didn't really have to pivot too much. We, uh, Three years ago, we we created a media group, um, an in-house basically film studio uh, that would create. Sorry, we're in New York.
0: I I know I hear it all day.
1: Yeah, um, that we would you know we would create listing videos and we'd sell through video. And we knew that that was going to be a big thing three years ago, and you know we built a YouTube channel for it, and mm-hmm. uh, you know did a lot of things across social, and we're able to send video through email, and I just really really went hard on video. Um, uh, back when video it seemed just seemed like a pain in the butt, really, you know, like mm-hmm. in a strong market, you don't have to work that hard. You have a couple of pretty photos, you stick it up there, market's great, things sell, you know, but you know, New York I, I hasn't had a really strong market like that since like 2006. So, um, you know, we've always had to think outside the box and get creative and uh, that's what we did. And so going up into the pandemic, I mean, we were lucky that we we had video tours of almost every listing we have. we had house tours of almost every listing we had because we've made that part of our protocol. So while every other brokerage company agency was freaking out, running around with their iPhones, trying to quickly get video so that they could still sell during quarantine, you know, we we, we just, we were good to go. I mean, obviously we were still affected by the quarantine, you know, buyers dropped off. You have to remember in New York City, right? Between Manhattan, Brooklyn, Long Island City, like 80% of the buyers and renters here buy and rent in New York, Brooklyn, Long Island City because of work or school. Right. So if people don't have to go to the office and kids can't go to school, then 80% of my buyer pool is gone. And so traffic just drastically fell off. And then it then what happened it's just cyclical, right? So when that happens, who do you think comes out to buy? It's the vultures, the opportunists, the people come out and say, Listen, I want to buy but I want a COVID deal. And that has been a big part of our business since you know, since March, um, you know, doing deals at 30 to 40% off where they would have been in February.
0: And this got same thing with the luxury homes. What were, how did they want to move that much? Well, more more
1: of- so with the luxury homes. Yeah. I mean, you saw like, you know, the penthouse at the Zaha Hadid building was asking 50 million. It just sold for 20, 20. I think it sold for 20. Wow. Like the, you know, we just did a deal. I was asking 30. We sold it for 22. You know, it's, we just did one that was asking seven and a half. We sold it for five, two. We, there are, massive price swings now because there's, there's no foundation anymore. Like what is People just don't know what things are worth yet right, until, new comp, new, until new comps get set. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So, you know, like most marketing messages at the time turned on the TV and you saw the tone of every commercial, they actually sounded the same. So how did your marketing messages, the tone of your marketing messages and the listings, because um, it wasn't business as usual. There's more, you know, compassion and empathy, et cetera.
1: I mean, we, yeah but we had to be careful right you can't like you can get in trouble uh, in our business you know with the department of licensing services like and there were a few agents that had a license revoked you know by <clears throat> i think there was an agent in florida who sent out a e-blast of new york city on fire oh, um wow. saying like hey come to florida you know where it's you know come come escape new york come to florida and that's that's that's, that's that's, that's not good advertising. I can't remember the exact phrase for it. It's unethical and, um, you can get really in trouble for it. So we just kind of, you know, listen, it was a, a storm, right? You know, we were, we were forced gump in the middle of that storm with, with, with captain Dan, you know, Lieutenant Dan, uh, just riding it out, you know, just hit in the face with waves and wind that we'd never gotten hit with before. And you just keep your eye on the prize, just keep moving forward. Um, and it was, uh, It was tricky, but we, you know, we did okay. But our marketing didn't really, yeah, I guess it's not like we changed anything. We stopped doing a handful of things. Like we had a lot of incentives planned, you know, like broker cash prizes, uh, gifts, you know, uh, the, you know, if you sell an apartment here, you're going to get a ticket to this concert, you know, all that kind of stuff that we always do giveaways, you know, things to incentivize agents and incentivize buyers to come through. So all that just never happened. We couldn't do it anymore and it wouldn't make sense. And it would be it would be, it would be bad.
0: Yeah, so when you work with the buyers, especially of the high-end apartments, I mean, did you also have, have to act like a, a psychologist too? Because I'm sure there, there was so anxiety-ridden, especially when they're selling their apartments.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've, um, we've always had to be kind of buyer psychologists and seller psychologists. Like, it is not a rare occurrence for us to find ourselves in between a bickering husband and a wife, one of them's crying, One wants to sell, the other doesn't want to sell. There's a deal on the table, and we're just pouring the glass of wine, you know, walking them through it. Um, That's 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 Tuesday for us, Uh, and so this is kind of no different. Only the only difference here is we don't know the future, right? Like if it's if it's a typical situation, buyer seller then you got to focus on what the the end result is, which is your whole goal is to sell your home or your whole goal is to buy a home because you're going to have a baby. And this is, you know, you got to move. Um, uh, in this situation, it's, do you really take a 25% haircut just to sell it now? Will the market come back? What's going to happen in November with the election? If Trump wins, what happens? If Biden wins, what happens? How is people how are, What What do we do? Like, is there going to be a second wave? Will there ever be a vaccine? Is New York, ever going to be safe Are we going to be in such a deficit now is the financials for the city and the state going to be so brutal now that the city is now going to be taxed through the roof should we should everyone just leave now and move to florida but then is florida going to be in trouble too and start you know so there's so many unknowns um and so it becomes scary for people when you're spending millions of dollars
0: yeah. So, I mean, New York City is starting to crawl out of the lockdown now. So are you seeing any signs of life in Q3 for the high-end property sales?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, we've been incredibly busy, mostly with people who, who know. Listen, if you look at history, okay, look at the last 20 years. You had 9-11 and the market tanked afterwards, right, for good reason. And then for the following five years, six years, uh, it was the biggest, greatest housing market that the country's ever seen right? Especially in New York. And then you had Lehman. Lehman fell in 2008 and the market tanked, tanked for a while this time. Okay. But then it came back and it came back much stronger than it had ever been. You know, even during the, you know, the the height of of 2005 to 2007, you know, if you were paying 1,300, 1,400, 1,500 a foot, you were crazy. That was so expensive. But houses and apartments were selling left and right, left and right. In the second boom after Lehman, you know, your baseline was 2,000 bucks a foot, right? Like that's normal. You know, I, I bought things at 2,000 bucks a foot. Now, there's another reset. We're going to have a big dip. We, I just don't know how, how big and long this dip is going to be, but it'll, New York, you don't bet against New York. Every single time people do, they lose money. Um, and it is here. There's no other place like this. And you can't, you can't get the same energy through a Zoom, right? You can't get the same interaction. You can't train new workforce. You can't, you can't, you know, you're not going to promote somebody that you see every day in your phone, right? Like, so work... We'll find a way and people will slowly start to come back. And when they come back, they're going to want housing and they're going to want to take advantage of these low rates that we have, right? Interest rates are incredibly low. They want to take advantage of great deals that are out there right now. And I think we're going to start to see that um, in early 2021 and it's going to ramp up and we'll have a good seven to 10 year run.
0: That'd be great. Let's pivot and talk about your new baby, Sir Hand. You know, on the first day of your 12th year in the real estate industry, you launch your namesake real estate brokerage, Sirhan, your highly entertaining YouTube video announcing the birth of Sirhan. You know opens with the rapid TV news clips of broadcasters at the start of the pandemic, essentially announcing the death of New York City, City real estate. Then it transitions into you in a helicopter circling around high above glimmering buildings and skyscrapers in Manhattan. You're wearing a superhero suit, cape and all, a giant letter S, as you were talking about, of course, with a period emblazoned on your chest. You fly down to Earth, miraculously, and take the viewer to your superhero lair in, I guess that's downtown Manhattan. So the other superhero with an S on his chest, you know, that other guy, Superman, yeah. was always there to save the day from villains like, you know, Lex Luthor. Yeah, What is Sir Hant here to save us from?
1: Uh, from the death of New York. Right, we we believe so strongly in New York. I, I owe my whole my whole life to New York. New York gave me a career. New York gave me a family, um, and I believe in this city. And it really pisses me off when uh, when people discount it, right, and bully it, and beat it up. It, especially its own politicians, the people that are supposed to take care of it, the people that are supposed to bully it. Like, you know, uh, De I hope. Mm-hmm goes down in the history books as the single worst mayor in the history of the known universe. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's complete insanity to me. Like you're supposed to champion your city, champion the workers that are here, bring it back up when it's down, keep it moving, not, not hurt it and then kick it in the gut while it's you know, on the floor. Um, and you know my allegory, I guess, when we started the business was, I, I gotta start it now for lots of other reasons. Um, I can't wait anymore. Um, and so, you know, I am going to fly down to the city and we're going to do this thing right now when no one else is starting a new company, when everyone else is leaving New York city, I'm going to go get a building in lower Manhattan. I'm going to build out a new office model. And I'm going to start a residential real estate company, uh, uh, in the face of very, very strong adversity on my 12 year anniversary in this business. And on the 12 year anniversary of Lehman Brothers filing for bankruptcy, because I believe in New York. My agents believe in New York. Our team believes in the city and we believe in this business. Um, and you know, that's what we're here to just, you know, we're here to save it and bring it back, bring it back to glory.
0: So starting your own brokerage must've been, you know, we talked about this burrowing around in your head for a while. So aside from spending more time with your wife and daughter during lockdown, do you use that time to accelerate its launch?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. We, um, I didn't really spend more time with my, my wife and baby, to be honest, you know, I had a, we have a guest house in the lake house in New Hampshire and that was my office. So I, my life didn't really change. Woke up at 5am. Instead of going to the gym, I'd run around the lake in the cold, you know, in the snow. It was terrible. Um, You know, do my push ups and things to CNBC, shower. uh, And then I go to the office, which was just a, you know, a a kitchen table in the guest house and talk to my team as we Uh, You know, went about our day? We still had pre-development meetings, calls, talking to lawyers, you know, like trying to get our deals going. There was was a little less prospecting uh, at the beginning of quarantine, which is a big part of our business, right? Um, It was more just kind of putting out fires every day. But then we used a lot of that time to bullet out kind of what we needed to do um, in order to build a company. And then I came back in April, um, April 20th. And so we still had two months of lockdown. And during those two months, you know, kind of the immediate team and I really spent time and we thought about what we needed to do and we got all the pieces in motion. Uh, you know, we had just big pieces of paper up on walls, you know, with checklists of what to do. It was pretty crazy.
0: Your new real estate brokerage does, you know, you're saying it's designed for a new world. So how is this business model for Sirhan different than the traditional real estate model?
1: Uh, One, we don't have offices. Um, We have houses. So we'll be in every major market in the next 10 years um, with a house. uh, That'll be a hub for our agents. I don't like the models that don't have any kind of brick and mortar. I don't think that makes sense. I think we're not selling software that's in the cloud, right? We're selling homes. So we work in what we know. But I also don't think real estate agents need cubicles anymore. And I think the office way of living is, and we knew this before COVID and COVID just sort of Obviously, um, amplified the thought. Uh, you know, is is kind of the old way of doing business. Um, you know, the most successful salespeople are are, are mobile and global, right? And I, I said that in that video. Um, we also are not just a res- or residential real estate brokerage, right? We are we're powered by an in-house film studio and uh, one of the biggest online training platforms for sales. Um, we have a big. We have a big, we're big into online education. Uh, we have a digital platform for sales coaching and training, and there's lots of different courses. And, you know, we have 5,000 agents now in 104 countries uh, as of yesterday who are part of that course, part of our membership base, and they are part of our referral base, right? They, we trade deals back and forth every single day. Um, that way, you know, if you ever have a client who wants to buy or sell anywhere in the world and you are at surhand You are taken care of right you can facilitate that transaction um and it's there ready to go for you uh there's a lot of other things that separate us but i think we are we're also not building a brokerage for 2020 right we're very much building it for 2030 um and we're focused on the agent's brand more than anything
0: how do you use data
1: um we use big data uh if you go to our website you go to sirhand.com and you go to adx uh (laughs) The big thing that I wanted to do for our clients was really to map our brand exposure and really show to people, when you list with us, you list your homes, you list your buildings, uh, this is where I can put your properties. And we figured out how to do that and to show it graphically. And there's a globe and you can play with it and move it around and see kind of what our brand exposure is in any individual city around the world at any given time. Uh, and those are people that are interacting with us on social. Those are people seeing our ads. Those are people watching one of our TV shows. Those are people reading the book um, and the new book coming out. So um, that's one way uh, we integrate through different API feeds from Google and Foursquare to bring our listings to life. Uh, if you go to our listing pages, you'll see something called a lifestyle index, which is, you know, say again, you know, I guess it's like, if it works, you don't fix it. Right. But real estate listings have never changed. The whole world has changed, but residential real estate listings have always been photos, floor plan, information. And that's it. And that that seems kind of, this just seems weird and boring. Like why, why not bring more into it? You know, if if I told you like, hey, you're in Long Island City, right? So if I told you, okay, 2416 Queens Plaza South, tell me what's around that area, you know, check out that address you'll have no idea where that is. Right. You don't know. Right. I'm not telling you one Central Park South. So you say, oh, okay, maybe that's by Central Park. Like, you know, most addresses, you don't know where they are. And so our listings have a lifestyle index, which pulls together uh, automatically um, how many movie theaters are nearby, how many schools are nearby. Is there a dog park in walking distance? Is, you know, it's anything that you'll need to live. That information is there automatically. So you can see it in the actual listing. And then, uh, it's, and we, we do a lot of research, so the data is important there, but I, I think what I'm most excited about is something we're trying to build right now, or I guess halfway through it, it's our future index where buyer beware, but we have all of the data, economic data, Department of Buildings data, Department of Transportation data, the comptroller's office data, um, anything you can think of, it's all public information that we can pull from the last 50 years, and we can use it to help predict what will happen in certain neighborhoods over the next 5, 10 and 15 years. So if you have a buyer, an investor or developer who's saying, hey, listen, I'm thinking about buying this in the East Village. Where do we think the market's going to be in the East Village in the next couple of years? Barring a pandemic, terrorist attack, financial collapse, et cetera, um, we can use this platform to show you know, automatically, here's what's being built, here's what restaurants are coming, here's what's being closed, here's what's happening across the gamut on every single block, on every block and lot. Uh, and this is where we think prices are going to go in the next couple years, if that's what you're looking for. So
0: it's like a recovery index.
1: Yeah, kind of, um, if you want to look at it that way. It's, it's the best way we can to, in essence, use data to predict the future. You know, they, kind of like a, you know, like the weatherman, right? But if you could predict the weather one year in advance, that would be pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Predictive analytics are so key right now, so uh yeah. that's that's great. So how do you, you know using your new business model you know Manhattan right now is looking, you know, high unemployment, rising crime, Mayor De Blasio, growing sanitation and public transportation problems and all this kind of makes buyers reluctant to make this big bet on Manhattan real estate. So how do you convince wealthy luxury buyers otherwise?
1: There is nothing that people love more than getting in early, right? Look at, look at IPOs. Like the only, the best, the ones who are connected, the ones who are in on it early, they're the ones who make the most money, right? Historically, right? That's what you want to do. Except the difference here in our market is New York isn't really an IPO because the stock already came out for 200 years, right? And we've seen how it's grown over those 200, you've seen how it's grown over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And now the stock got taken off, okay? It got ratted a little bit and it's gonna be put back onto the market. You can come and get in early, early pricing, early investor pricing before it really goes back to public. And when it goes public, that's when everybody else comes back. They're coming back, there's a vaccine, they're all coming back, oh, New York's great, it's the only place, concrete jungle where dreams are made of, hoorah, hoorah. But you got in early, right? And that's what you do. That's the conversation. And that's what works.
0: Say I'm selling a six bedroom penthouse in Tribeca that's, that I purchased for thirty million million five five years ago. And then right now I know it's a buyer's market on steroids, but I come to you and I meet with you or someone on your team. How do you start building a marketing strategy for me?
1: Well, the first thing I ask you is, why are you selling? What's, what's your impetus to sell? If it's to make money, don't sell. Um, if it's because you bought another house in Florida or, you know, you want to buy another place, um, you know, then, uh, you know, then that's a different story. And if that is, and so if you didn't want to sell, then we look at the pricing and we figure out where it can actually sell today. Um, you know, cause pricing is, is relative to the current state of the market. So if we know where it'll actually sell and if the seller is agreeable, and let me tell you, most of them are not. Um, uh, then we build out a strategy that is, that is, pretty digital. Um, that's, that's, uh, you know, that is very much through ads targeted to a certain demographic and to certain people who are looking for those types of properties. We go after, you know, families who are right now anyway, um, like, you know, who would be the person to buy that? Maybe it's somebody in Greenwich or Long Island, you know, or New Jersey who just sold their house for a crazy amount of money, and they never thought they would ever sell, but because of the pandemic, a lot of New Yorkers went and bought up all these houses everywhere. Maybe that person now wants a great opportunity to come into the city and get a trophy asset at a discounted price. And if someone can come in and get a $30 million apartment for $25 million, that's not a bad deal. Uh, and so you sell value that way. And the seller, listen, if we're talking these price points, these guys are, are up or down $5 million a day, no matter what. So it's a write-off against other gains that they probably had in the market. Um, there's a lot of different tax, you know, advantages to you know to selling for less than what you paid, even though it never makes anybody feel good. Um, and you focus on that end game. You know, we have a lot of people that are selling now to buy elsewhere, and they are buying elsewhere uh, and getting great deals. So it's all about the net net, right? It's about where you end up. You might take a hit where you sell, but you're getting a great deal where you buy, and you make money on the buy.
0: So your team at Nest Seekers did like $1.4 billion in closed and in contract sales last year, mostly in New York and Hampton, in the Hamptons, making you one of the most successful agents in the country. And last year, Nest Seekers, I think sold some, I think I was reading was like a $40 million bridge Hampton beach house. Um, The seller found you on YouTube. You know, you have over a million subscribers on your YouTube. Yeah, the buyer. The buyer did. Um, You have over a million subscribers on YouTube channel and a million and a half following on Instagram. A lot of your growth and success has been through connections on social media and a key part of your brand strategy. So how has social media changed the game for you personally and selling luxury real estate?
1: The more people who know what you sell, the better. Um, It's social is brand expansion, brand amplification and brand is reputation. So if you have a reputation for selling a lot of real estate and the way that you tell people that is through social, then that's the way that we are putting out our brand message over and over and over. Um, So we advertise our properties across social and we advertise our personalities, right? People, I get to walk into listing meetings with, with, with sellers and meet new buyers and they already know me, right? My, my 90% of my, my first date is already done. You know, they know they want me. They know they like me because they've been following me for three years or because their son saw one of my property tours on YouTube and he's 10. And he said, mom, dad, you got to use Ryan because he's awesome because he did this. <laughs> and that's, you know, and we, I mean, listen, we market to kids you know, we, and it's, it works. Uh, case in point, like we listed a, uh, a property in Nolita on Mulberry Street for $11 million uh, on a Wednesday in February, pre-COVID um, at 11. The video went up um uh, That day, uh, on YouTube, uh, a young kid uh, saw the video, showed it to his dad, who was looking for a place, kind of, you know, Gramercy, maybe Upper East Side. Uh, his dad then sent it to his broker, and his broker said to him, "Yeah, what about it? You want to be uptown?" And he's like, "Yeah, but maybe I could take a look at this." He said, "Okay, weird." Uh, the guy came and saw it on Friday, and he bought it for ten million bucks. Hmm. Now, that's the broker never would have sent him the listing. The guy never even would have seen the listing because he never would have searched for it in the first place right? And I have no way to get to that guy. I don't even know who he is. Um, But to the power of entertaining sales content, because that's what content has to be, right? It can't just be, it can't be boring. It has to be entertaining. It has to have hooks. It has to have recurring themes. People have to be into watching it. Um, We're able to find a buyer in a unique way. Um, And that is exactly what we did there.
0: Were you always sold right from the beginning of being a vlogger?
1: Absolutely not. I think if you look at my first video ever and, some of the press and things I've done since then. It's, I thought it was the stupidest, dumbest idea ever. YouTube is just for kids. It's not real. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, cause I didn't grow up with it. You know, I don't know. Um, and I thought it would be a total waste of my time. And um, uh, you know, I, I don't know it's, but I was convinced to do it just to try it. And I got addicted to it. Like the, you know, I can make a property tour and put her out today. To the benefit of my sellers. If I film something today for a million dollar listing, which we are literally, uh, it might not come out till May of next year. So, you know, Bravo is very much for my brand. YouTube is very much for the properties, for the clients um, and getting things sold and getting traction.
0: Have you tackled TikTok yet?
1: I tried. I don't, I don't dance that well. I'm six <laughs> foot two hundred pounds. We like Instagram reels. You know, we do some of those. It's just so much, you know, it's just about finding the time to focus. Um, But we push, you know, we push the properties. That's what it's about at the end of the day. You know, our funnel, when you pour water on our big real estate, Oak tree, all those leaves, all those branches, all the different things that we do, it's really to strengthen the roots of the tree, which is real estate sales.
0: And you've really built an incredible personal brand applying many of the strategies that some of the well-known luxury brands have used to be on top, you know, building an emotional connection with customers, you know, constant creative innovation and, you know, having this R of exclusivity. So what can luxury brands learn from you?
1: (laughs) You know, I think the the best compliment that I, that I'm ever given is, um, you know, but people will watch TV or they watch YouTube or to read the books. And when they meet me in real life, they say, Oh, this is so weird. You're, you're just like you are on, on the screen. You're just, you sound just like you do in the book. That's so weird. <laughs> what do you mean? Why is that? Why is that weird? Like, well, I met this guy, I met this she, she was such a jerk. He was such a, he was so mean. He didn't even talk to me. He didn't do this. Um, I think advertising is inherently a push, right? It's a push. You're pushing your message onto people. And so turn that into something physical. No one likes being pushed. If you push someone into a wall, they don't like it, right? They're going to push back, okay? PR, social, YouTube, authentic, uh, authentic outreach, right? That feels organic and original. It's pulling people towards you, you know? And you think about, think about, you know, think about romance, right? You're pulling someone in close to you. Uh, that's what we do. Um, we don't make it about the push ever. Sometimes we do, you gotta, you gotta push a little bit, um, but it's, it's all about you know, bringing the audience closer to us uh, and letting them know that this is, this is exactly who we are, this is our authentic self, um, and this is us organically, warts and all. That's why you'll see you know, we push for it a lot, even on our new property tours with the new brokerage, a big thing with our tours is they're not, I have a whole team that makes them, but you see the cameras in there, you see a lot of the craziness, like they're behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, cause we, you, you know, the audience is not stupid. They get how it's made. Um, and so we include them in that process. And I think that's, you know, been one of the fun things that we've we've tried to do. Uh, but I think that's, I guess that would be my message, right? You gotta, like, you gotta be authentic. You gotta figure out, and then who the, who's the face of the brand, right, like who can people connect to? I think that's the hardest part that I have with, um, most brands is like unlike a Nike, for example, where it's connected to athletes, and you've got your favorite athlete, and they're specific, and that athlete might convince you to buy that pair of shoes. But once you're in the store, then you also get the sweatshirt and the shorts and the gloves. You know, um, <clears throat> like who who are you connected to, and is their story interesting, or do they just get paid a lot? Um, and you know, those are important.
0: So I guess we're expecting you to be the uh, Chanel of uh, real estate.
1: Oh my God, <laughs> um, I should start making bags, uh, yeah.
0: So tell us about Listed, the, uh, the new real estate TV channel you have on YouTube, what's that all about?
1: Yeah, I wanted to, it, it's, go find anyone under the age of 20. I would say 70% of them, right, in major cities don't have cable anymore, right? They're have cable, they don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. They have Apple TV, they have streaming, they watch things on their computer. Um, that is our future buyer base, right? Those are my future sellers. Those are our future clients. And I work every day for future me. You know, whatever happens to Ryan today, myself today is going to happen. You know, I can control it, but it's still going to happen. But I can plan for what's going to happen to me in 10 years and 20 years from now. And I want to make sure that guy, when I become him, is really happy. Uh, Otherwise, he's going to build a time machine and come back in time and kick my ass. So um, uh, listed is... HGTV 30 years ago. It is a digital media network specifically for real estate. There will be shows on there that are about, you know, that are property tours, there are renovation shows, there are staging shows, there are food shows in beautiful homes that have great kitchens, Um, there are real estate news shows, and they all star and are hosted by a certain agent. So they're all hosted by experts. These are not just anchors or actors or influencers. These are real people who sell real real estate every single day. Um, And I wanted to give my agents a platform the same way Bravo gave me a platform 10 years ago. Um, And that's what Listed is. And our first show came out, I don't know when this will air, but uh, our first show came out on Monday and our second show premieres today.
0: And you're slated to come out with a book early next year, Big Money Energy, How to Rule at Work, Dominate at Life, and Make Millions. So it kind of sounds like a book about building self-confidence.
1: That is exactly what that book is. Yeah. Uh, wrote it during quarantine as well. And, you know, it is uh, it, it's the secret sauce for me. Selt like Sir Hant, my first book, which has, you know, been great and done so much for for my career and created the course and speaking tours and all that is, is very strategic, right? It is, uh, it's at my tactical sales toolkit. Big money energy is the confidence blueprint. It is, it's a mindset book. It is, and it will teach people how to have confidence with what they want to do when they don't have confidence in themselves. Uh, And it breaks it down. You know, there's a three-step process and it's really what I learned about how to have confidence as a real estate agent in New York City, without being from New York, knowing what real estate was, and being confident in myself at all. So, uh, and how I overcame all that uh, to move forward. And so I put that all in there, uh, and it's super vulnerable. Um, makes me a little uncomfortable that I put it all out there. But, but, I, but, Godspeed.
0: But it's but it's screaming to be an audio book too.
1: Yeah, you know. So, like, uh the audio book did really, really well. Um, so we're gonna record the audiobook for Big Money Energy in November and I'll talk for two days straight.
0: <laughs> but that, but that's, what, that's what one of your key brand assets is. is yeah. The way you sell and the way you pitch and the way you talk and so I, I could see the audio versions of whatever book you come out would be, uh, would be really powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hope so.
0: So what are some of your personal and business goals for next year?
1: Oof um stay afloat don't die (laughs) um you know uh you know we uh we want to be in our you know by the end of next year we definitely want to be in our final location right now we're in a temporary house office in tribeca um as we build out our our future kind of permanent location so you know we'll go into there um we'll get to you know we i want to have a lot of good agents um and i want to get back to doing around hundred million dollars a month in sales. You know that was kind of where we were pre COVID and I want to get back there post COVID. And I think I can do it for 21.
0: That's great. So my final question, which I ask uh, all my guests, is the luxury item question. I'm really curious to how are you going to answer this one? So if you were stranded on a desert Island and you could only have one single luxury item, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of transportation or anything that requires mobile service. What would that single luxury item be?
1: Uh, it can't be a car or a boat to get me off this damn island. And nope. It can't be my phone. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, probably, you know, probably my, my watch. I, I wear an AP watch and it's uh, been with me for a long, a long, long time. And I wear it all the time because if I switch it, then I feel like I have bad luck. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's a nice watch. It was like the first kind of expensive gift that I got myself. Um, and that way I would also always know the time as I'm slowly losing my mind. <laughs> my
0: time. Well, when your watch stops, you'll know it. at least it'll be right two times a day.
1: Well, guess what? These, it's a Royal Oak. It does, as long as I shake my wrist all the time, it doesn't stop. Uh,
0: Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item podcast and good luck with Sir Hand. So do you think uh, we're going to see another season of million dollar listing New York because the Los Angeles show just doesn't do it for me.
1: Yeah. Same. We, uh, we, uh, yeah, <laughs> it'll come out. It'll come. It's supposed to be out by now. It'll come out early next year. We got shut down for four months. We shut uh-huh. down in March. We didn't, we didn't pick up filming again until August. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to watch because the, sto- the season is going to, like, half the season was shot pre COVID, and then the sc- it's going to, like, cut to black. And then uh, the second half of the season is masks, face shields. How do we sell this house if no one can come see it? So it'll be interesting and kind of crazy.
0: So you're saying that's early next year?
1: Yeah, it'll come back early next year.
0: Brian, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
0: That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.